0: Well this is unusual. How we doing everybody? Uh obviously we know who is here. We know who else is here. Introduce yourself, my man.
1: it's still saying stream is starting on the thingy.
0: Oh yeah, because there's like a twenty second delay. Oh okay, that's a delay.
1: Okay, cool. <laughs> 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 I was like "Hello, oh, Um it is me, History Daddy. Um the uh the um the, the last well, room. This is on unusual, I can hear the, the stream on the other Uh Obviously, I've got the stream up. It's fine. We know who this, else is this is a here. complete mess, already, It's fine. I said. I said to you, this is going to happen. I have your chaos. Um, yes, I am History Daddy. Um, most famously known as the Sim of Ancient Greece and Alexander the Great. Um, most recently, I've 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 started stealing the Law Lodge by, by doing videos on um, the Big Grey Man of Ben McDewey and uh, Woodwows, uh, which shameless plug is available now to watch. Um, but yeah, no, I've been. Um, gracefully asked to come on and talk about some uh some film history today uh which yes. is obviously yeah as i studied film it is pretty pretty much my area of expertise
0: thankfully for both of us considering you know i also studied film uh but turns out that uh you know I'm not the, the the best person for actual history in relation to history movies. I'm just better with the movie side, so I'm glad that you're here, so you can actually like you know lead the charge in terms of the actual historical accuracy. Because I appreciate it, but you know,
1: yeah. Um, I mean the the like yeah. I I I've studied. I have to double check when I'm looking at uh the the accuracy of films because I've been very off the mark very much. Uh, I tend to watch. I tend to watch uh, YouTubers like Shadowversey and stuff. They're very good for like medieval historical accuracy. I can take like deep plunges, and um, thankfully I will admit, um, as you know, I, I did a little dive into the history buff to make sure that the, mm. one of the films we're talking about um, later, I am actually spot on. Because I knew roughly what I was talking about, but it was one of those things. You do uh, you can say five things right, but if you say the sit thing wrong, that's the meme. That's that's what I me mean, everyone immediately memes. But uh, yeah, should we, um, should we start on our first topic, which is possibly the one I'm most excited about?
0: We might as well, and I figured that you were because you wanted to get right into it. But yeah, I want to lead the charge into what exactly the first thing we're going to be talking about is.
1: So the first thing, and I will get my little notes up, not the complete haze Code because I'm not reading all that out, um, is the haze Code, as I just said. I, I spoiled it 30 seconds before I officially announced it. Um, but yes, so the, the haze Code um, was... Uh, basically, in an ingenious way. So, uh, the in the during the nineteen twenties, um, the world was a very different place. Uh, obviously, um, you're looking at post First World War, and people want a, a proper model, moderate model society. Um, and obviously, films were getting a bit out of hand. So, uh, the, the first way this was dealt with in America was different states would have different laws about what films could show. And then a guy called William H. Hayes. Turned up and was like, Don't worry, I'll have a uniform code which the entirety of the United States can follow. not the rest of the world, this is just the United States um, and British films sort of followed suit, but by this time the British cinema was sort of giving way to American cinema mm. um, so the the, the Hayes code um, was known colloquially um, took form and basically was a set of guidelines to ensure that the film wouldn't be something that was considered improper Um, so some of these, I'll do some of them because some of them are quite spicy So, some of them are as you would expect for the 1920s, 1930s America um, which is um, no um, as as Wendigan would say, no kiffing uh, (laughs) was was allowed um, no nudity of any sort um it, it had to be like streamlined in, in fact quite literally you weren't allowed to kiss um which is where you get into the spicier codes of conduct um whereas like especially like um mixed race uh interracial like relations were not allowed on stream um there is there is one example where um uh, a woman of color was asked to do do there's a scene where like they do a weird like snuggle because if they kissed, then the movie would be gone from the cinema. and no, It wasn't allowed to be seen. Uh, and so the Hays Code, as you could tell, was very restrictive. No violence. No, in fact, married couples weren't allowed to be shown in the same bed, uh, and you uh, uh, they had to be in two separate beds. Um, and you had you could only show violence if it was portrayed towards the villain. Uh, the other thing you weren't allowed to do is you couldn't uh, have a go at the clergy. You weren't allowed to like have a go at any sort of religious faculties at all because this code was mostly pushed forwards by uh the church at the time um which obviously you know is very different now as, as times have gone on um so this led to the the, the final bit of the the Hayes code that i'll like touch on to get going because this led to the ultimate form of censorship because it politically was trying to stay neutral, so they didn't. So, when a certain Austria man was coming to power, uh, the the Hayes Code idea of dealing with that was to just pretend he didn't exist, um, <laughs> which meant that um, for a great deal of Americans, the first they knew of um, the man whose moustache was way, way worse than mine, and uh, I will go on record as saying I <laughs> him because I like to think he's spinning in his pit in hell. Um. Uh, <laughs> I've gone off the rails already. I mean, to, um, to be
0: fair, yeah. if we're going off the rails by your stash, it's totally fine because it is the best stash I've ever seen. So,
1: thank you, thank you very much. Yeah, um, I'd like to when the, when my day finally comes, I want to be like, no, I want to go down quick just so I can show it to him and like buy like even more fire and brimstone rub it in. But yeah, no. So the first that the most like Americans knew about this um, was really. Um, oh, yeah, by the way, we're going to war Germany. Um, <laughs> this is why. Um, because of the Suppressant Haze Code. So the end of the Hayes Code came about um, from the old phrase, sex sells. Hmm. Um, so movies that were going against the Hayes Code started actively. Also, I know I'm not, I'm not currently looking at the chat. If I'm missing anything anyone's saying to me, I apologise because I'm reading from the Hays Code. Um... Uh, I keep losing my own train of thought. I'm awful for this. Nice. Uh, so, one, one, once they once the once these like more indie films and lower budgets cinemas began realizing, oh, people want to watch these. Um, it is similar now. You have like you still have the sort of status quo in Hayes. it's not a Hayes quote. It is current modern standards, um, and you do have alternative and indie films coming out to break down, which is why I prefer indie films, small projects because they're not to the standards of hollywood and to the current like in line of hollywood um the other reason that the hayes code started crumbling was because foreign films especially italian films um i don't know if you if if anyone is into uh, what would be considered foreign cinema or if you're in the uk or the us um italian films are uh uh oh, <laughs> they're, they're a
0: whole nother level that's for sure
1: yeah I prefer Nordic cinema. I like Norwegian cinema or Scandinavian. There's a particular film called The Girl King, which is spectacular. A look at Christina of Sweden. Um, I could talk about that film all day. Is one of the best pieces of cinema I've ever seen. Um, but yeah, so as these the, these these foreign films were coming in, easily competing, because people were like, "Wow, there's an ankle!" Like, and that like because that's brand new and that. Like when you reach a point where cinema is like that is considered groundbreaking, obviously your 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 code is going to falter. And I think it, the last Hayes code film really came out like late fifties. By the sixties, obviously you have, um, uh, well, not the not the the hippie movements at that time They don't really they start coming about like free love and all that starts yeah. coming about in the sixties. Um, But that's towards more to the But it lays the groundwork because it is a rebellion to this censorship. And, um, yeah, obviously, then the crusade moved on to video games, which is why we got such Jewish, You know, oh, yes, the um, Wolfenstein definitely causes violence, you know, (laughs) against Mecha or But, yes, sorry, I, I went on a proper, proper tangent there.
0: There's nothing wrong with that. That's kind of what the entire point of this con- uh, podcast is, yeah, isn't it? Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. yeah you, you, I mean, feel free to stop me because I can, like, with, especially with stuff like that, I can just go on to, to proper tangents.
0: Oh, no, you're totally fine. It's it's informative <laughs> yeah. and interesting, and I guarantee everybody loves the fact that you're here, so don't worry about it.
1: Fair play. But, you know, what's, um, <laughs> I know, obviously, I know you'd know a little bit about the, uh, the Hayes Goods. What's your, what's your thoughts on, on that?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think considering the... The history of it, I understand where they were coming from in relation to, you know, what was happening at the time, and because it it came around right during the what was it? It was like during the Great Depression, and so that was like you know, Great Depression, yeah, yeah. Uh, So I, I can understand in relation to what was happening in the theaters and what was going on there that, you know, it 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 was used as a way to draw people into theaters so from that perspective i get it but you know at the same time eh, i I don't love anything that is minimizing freedom uh also hold up i do need to do one
1: thing really quickly um no i am the i i always um say on my on my both my tiktok and my history um oh you gotta charge there gotta charge the headphones that Um, should have solved that problem Oh, oh, I always say on my um on my YouTube and my okay. TikTok I never get political the only thing I talk about is, is absolute freedom of speech because I am a filmmaker first and foremost. Um I don't know if one very can hear me so I'm just carrying on talking. I am. <laughs> um but uh you know, I am um, because films should have absolute unadulterated freedom to talk about what they want. Unless, you know, you're promoting physical harm someone then your, your film is probably not the best thing to put forward no definitely not
0: yeah I can hear you again now thankfully
1: okay. I, <laughs> I was I was like I'm going rogue I don't know if I am i saying the wrong things or right oh good but, but, uh, but yeah no um, no I completely agree with you they should like you putting censorship on film is um I mean I think the what made me so anti-censorship was I thought actually when I was studying film we had to read um, Animal Farm uh, I believe this might have been in college but I have to, college is like our like like um, high school in a way it's very hard, There are two school systems um, yeah you should have just kept it to universities instead of naming your universities college because it's just very confusing for my brain um uh, <laughs> Yeah, so when I was in college, I was also doing film, and I had to read Animal Farm, and I looked at that, and then I was like, "See, if you suppress film, if you because su- there isn't, uh, uh, there is the reason I bring up Animal Farm. There is a good point to this. If you suppress film, it delivers the wrong metaphor and message because all film has a message, and Animal Farm, it the actual animated version." Mm-hmm is not faithful to the book where it needs to be um, and so it just becomes idealistic and propagandistic whereas the actual book and the reason we had to read the book because the book brings forward the metaphor of the warnings of um, taking ideals too far hmm. um, well, I got very poetic then um, it's always a good thing yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well I, I, I do share show- aimlessly um write poetry in my spare time because i'm that i'm that way <laughs>
0: i don't think that's weird i um, think that's respectable
1: I, like <laughs> uh, I mean i mean yeah no i've always loved poetry i've already, i said i said to you i'm gonna take this off to rails. now we've gone from the haze code to poetry um <laughs> you know i've always um i've always i've always loved poetry i mean if you think about the 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 ancient greeks were using poetry to tell their stories long before um Long before I got to, to the ground, so it would make sense because I'm such a fan of ancient Greece that that I would enjoy the occasional poetry. One day I will send, I will um, maybe I'll send some to you and Matt S, and you can put it on Patreon and be like, "Here's an exclusive history daddy poem that he wrote at three in the morning." Um. But yeah, no, the but then again, I with film when it's restricted can come up with the best ideas. That's why, again, I prefer indie cinema. Okay. Have I gone quiet?
0: A little bit, just I guess. Check. I'm not really sure why, but I'm turning you up a bit just to make sure that that's fixed. Okay. Yeah, I'm not really sure why that would happen, but anyway. Uh...
1: Yeah. Am, I, saying... am, I, am I audible again, people? You should be. Yeah, uh, I've completely lost where I was. And um, that was it. Yeah, that's yeah, why I like poetry, indie yeah. cinema. Uh, it, it that's why I like indie cinema because where it had or even um Scandinavian cinema or Nordic cinema, whichever term you want to use, because it's limited on budget. I think limiting films on budget is the best way to get the most creative scenes. Um, like one of the c- films uh, we will be looking at later, mm-hmm. obviously, was released much later than the Haze Code because it was in colour. Um. But there's a particular scene where a, a gentleman's, one of the officers in, I've been so careful not to spoil it before we get onto the conversation. <laughs> it, his his leg is removed, um, from what is definitely not an artillery barrage. Um, and that the this scene is carried on goes, I do say, sir it appears my leg is removed. And then the other <laughs> officer goes, oh, it, it seems it is. Yeah. And I was like, "This, I, the, you wouldn't, now it'd be a load of swearing and, ah, grime and, and sadness. And it, this particular film, I will go into, portrays it very well. But it, it doesn't show you the removal of the leg. And mm. I think that when you have a cheaper film or a film that's restricted in what it can show, it can tell the story better because now we, like we have, like I love Saving Private Ryan, it focuses that opening D-Day scene focuses mm. so much on the violence yep. that you almost lose the story Like the the bit with the guy holding his arm I'm like that's amazing cinematic storytelling and then we immediately go into da horror horrors of war and then storytelling and then ah, and it's that fine balance it's very hard to do I'm not again I love Saving Bright Ryan it's one of my favorite favorite movies um, they use the wrong boats on the landing but I'll let that slide Spielberg um, <laughs> you gotta, <laughs> yeah, make, you gotta make some compromises you know yeah, yeah, well, I used the Ameri- I think I believe they use American landing craft instead of British. And the particular beach they're showing was meant to use British landing craft. I may get that wrong. That was from a history bus video that I watched like ten years ago now. Um But yeah, I w- again, I just went on a massive rant about censorship in film. I'm not going to lie. Uh, <laughs> you take <it> over again. <laughs> it's uh, all I'll good. Complete... Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I just, I, I, filmmakers should have complete creative. I, my. The one I the reason I say that mostly is I come up I like it a lot. A lot of the films I write are incredibly um graphically violent and um tend to show way too much nuance. And everyone's like, Yeah, you won't sell these films because you could only sell them as an 18. And I was like, why not? And they're like, have you seen every film that ever is released? Now it's 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 for at most 12A is what you could get away with. And I was like, Deadpool worked. And they was like, Deadpool is literally that was his selling point. Are you going to like hmm. sell it as an eighteen? I was like, yeah, true. And then I went, but Saw worked. I was like, stop bringing up films that work. I was, I was that annoying student that would just would not give up when I when it when I was proved, disproven. Yep.
0: <laughs> I mean, that's a, that's a, honestly a great way to be, especially when especially when you're young. I mean, it's yeah. There's a, at least from everybody that I've seen, there needs to be a certain level of. <sighs> uh, the... If you don't believe that your work is genuinely great, and whether it yes. takes you one draft or a hundred drafts to get there, you have to believe in your own work. And because nobody else is going to sell it other than you. And if you can't find a way to get there, then you're not going to be able to really sell it and make what you want to make into a reality.
1: Oh, great. I mean... I don't know what the, the, the industry is like in the States. I've, I, I was selling my script on Amazon. I've, I've currently taken it off. And I'm rewriting it into an actual novel, um, which is an interesting process, but um, I, 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 I completely agree with you. I, I think we've reached a point where it's easy to go. Oh no, this isn't like something that, that Hollywood is, is looking for right now. But again, there are other avenues. You can make a film into a radio play with absolute ease. Yeah. Um, you turn a film script into a novel and you can publish that on amazon um unless you're someone who is like cancelled online um you know unless, unless you're like alex jones you're gonna be able to publish your book on amazon like that um you know they don't care they're making money um so i think it is you if you're going to get into any sort of creative industry you have to truly believe that um what you're creating is um is good. You, but at the same time, you have to be open to criticism. Um, one of my student films is called Edelborn, which means freeborn in Anglo-Saxon, um, and is all about a German invasion of the UK in the present day after leaving the European Union, which tows the line between being political and being apolitical <laughs> so finely it was hilarious. Mm. Um, but my the my head of course was like, why have you labelled given an Anglo-Saxon name? It was like. <laughs> at best no one's going to know what that means and at worst it sounds like a weird um, nationalist statement and I was like no 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 it means Freeborn is like it's, they're fighting for freedom there's an invasion yes I know but do you understand and I just put my foot down uh, and that film not only got a 2-1 it then got put forward to um, film uh, film festival I didn't win but I got the Little Reef to say it was in a film festival
0: oh well that's fine um, at
1: least yeah, but it's because it had the artsy name, and I like it's 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 one of those things. It's like you say, you have to believe in what you're making, um, which neatly loops us back around to the Hayes Code, is because these people had films that they believed in what they were making, and so many of the Hayes Code films are chopped up horrendously. If you watch them now, any film from like the twenties or thirties, watch the cuts. Um, but yeah. I do feel like I've sort of commandeered your podcast. <laughs> I oh, to be really honest, I,
0: I, I'm used to my role of just kind of letting people speak, so it's it's I'm I'm honestly more comfortable this way.
1: So I mean, when we when we get to the the the, the second film we're going to talk about, I feel like that then 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 you'll have to speak because I don't know anything about that. Particular. You're
0: fine, yeah. Just hopefully, everyone's um, going to want to hear about it. But yeah, no, I'm uh I'm happy to just kind of take a a, a back seat, seat Yeah, so on this one, yeah.
1: I mean, yeah, I, 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 I'm not gonna lie. I think that's pretty much it about the Hays Code. There's some, uh, obviously, there was, you know, some good rules. You know, you weren't like you weren't allowed to show um, violence, particularly to to women. Um, you you children weren't allowed to be seen in a, in an adult sense, which I think is a very, you know, that that's good. So, giving it credit where credit's due, the Hays Code did have some upsides. It also just had some oddly not upsides, but yeah. <laughs> um yeah, I like 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 you said earlier, I can see why they put a lot of those restrictions in because you again you're you're it's in the Great Depression, like society is on a teetering edge of falling into depravity. Um it could be argued that not having that sort of moral framework is what allowed Germany to collapse into what it Because Germany like in the twenties, Germany had a real renaissance really, but it was all American back. So the second American funding pulled out, that was like, um, you know, that was what caused Germany sort of collapse and becomes this sort of depraved society that allowed, you know, a man who wasn't even German to get into power. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But yeah, I, I, and people wondering why I keep bringing it up because is because the Hayes Code was, um, was during the Great Depression was it's tight in that the Great Depression is so intrinsically linked to Germany. Um, I'm not just bringing it up just to go look. I know history facts. <laughs> Even <laughs> um, if that was the case, I wouldn't blame you. Yeah, fair play. Um, yeah, like you say, I, I know what he did a lot, and obviously a lot of those, some of those rules do. Still apply because they were good rules and they became tried and tested, um, which is how cinema should work. Yes, you sh- things should be tied tried. Turning to Jonathan Ross, um, tried and tested. Yes. Uh, again, I think they get a bit too formulaic. A lot of people get upset with me when I say that maybe Marvel should come to an end now, because uh, <laughs> um, we 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 don't want twenty years of the same. Of the same piece of cinema i would quite like uh something new to take take charge oh I, w- I would really like um i mean i wonder why i would say this i would really like a renaissance of like the early 2000s when all we were making were mm. like um like 300 um alexander which i still refuse to watch because no one's accent in that is an ancient greek film but mm. it just pulls me out i watched like f- like 20 minutes in and i'm like i can't i can't um I um I, I love is is Colin, is Colin Farrell that plays Alexander, isn't it?
0: Uh you would know better than I
1: would. Yeah. I believe it is Colin Farrell. If I've got that wrong, um uh, because I do know the cast. Um I believe it's Colin Farrell. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's Colin Farrell. Um he, yeah, he does play Alexander very well, but he just that's not the voice I expect Alexander to it's the same reason I can't watch Alex uh, Catherine the Great. The um, because Catherine the Great is so. Her- Catherine the Great makes Catherine the Great look too, too nice. Um, and having done a three part series on Catherine the Great, I know she wasn't a nice person. She did some good things, but like all rulers in history, she did some bad things. <laughs> so I don't like how the show, sort of, from the bits I've seen, really does portray her as like, yeah, girl power. It's like, hmm. Well, we need to respect. That's the thing about history. You need to respect the good from the bad. Um, but yeah, do you want should we move on to the next topic? Because I think yeah, it's been half an hour. We've we yeah, yeah. half an yeah, hour. Yeah, I was gonna
0: say considering how dense uh you know your, your movie choice is gonna be, I would imagine. Yeah, y- even if we don't get to mine tonight, that's totally fine. Uh but I think yeah, I think people would be interested to hear uh, you know, the general take on the main movie of the evening, which is
1: Waterloo. Yes. Um and many people who have obviously seen me in the chat and will watch my stuff. Um uh probably no like no my my obviously my joke about you know the french all the time it is part of one of my gags my one of one of my main gags is obviously i diss napoleon constantly um why because i get 100 comments about why napoleon was actually good um and that boosts me in the algorithm so thank you all for falling for my trap um But yeah, no. So the reason, so I won't talk about Waterloo as a whole because we will be here all night, and I won't talk about the battle scene because it actually, like, it takes an hour. Just bearing in mind, this is a battle that went all day. Um. So the first thing I will say, and I've double checked this by watching history bus videos, and I've double checked a few websites online to double check that I was like spot on with what I thought. Uh, this so Waterloo for the time does actually like show an incredibly accurate depiction. Of the battle. In fact, the entire film is incredibly accurate. It jumps a lot because obviously it's got a lot to portray, and it's only got a two and a half hour, which is already a long time for a film. Uh, it's already like two and a half hours long. Hmm. Um, so obviously, it's directed by I. I've got to read it because I'm Sergei Sergei Bonded Bond, I can't I can't pronounce the last name. It was directed by a Soviet direct, director, um, and the reason. Uh, I love it so much. So everyone you see on screen in that battle is there. Uh, I believe they trained around 15,000 members of the Soviet Army uh, in Napoleonic drills, in British drills from the time period. Um, And everyone in the cavalry charges, bear in mind, there's like four cavalry charges in this film. So the first cavalry charge, you have the, uh, I believe it's the something Scots regiment charges forward. I know it's really famous payment, painting, and someone in the comments can correct me on where I've got the regiment wrong. Um, and they charge, they charge too far. That shot is incredible. It's really hard to show, like without like if you've seen the film, you'll know. What I'm saying, <clears throat> but it captures that charge, that initial charge that uh, is that sent forward by Wellington. So perfectly, and again, every single person is on screen. Then you have the second charge when the French lancers come forward and they counter charge, and it's like this big horrific thing. Um, <clears throat> and then you have uh, the, the as the day goes on because Napoleon throughout the day couldn't attack because it had been raining so torrentially the previous couple of days that the ground was just too heavy to move cavalry or artillery pieces. Um, they flattened. Like the well I didn't flatten, they 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 made Waterloo uh mm. to build this film. So they filmed it um in Ukraine, uh, which was at the time part of the Soviet Union. Um YouTube, please don't take the live down for a drink this is where it gets a bit spicy. Um so they they built the set so it looked like Waterloo and it does. if you cross reference maps from Waterloo, uh you can actually see how they made it so similar. So Wellington retreats into and he forms the square, which our cavalry cannot penetrate. Um, Napoleon's quite ill at this point, so he disappears off. And then he comes back and he's like, why has this particular French general who... I'm not going to lie, I forgot a lot of the French general names. Um, I watched the movie earlier, and I read them, read their names earlier. Um, I, f- I immediately forgot a lot. So if I forget a lot of the general's names, i <laughs> apologise. It's just trying to keep a symbolised rundown. Um, so the French cavalry comes forward, goes to the square, um, and then gets hammered, basically. There's a brilliant scene as well, um, which I don't believe happened in the actual battle. It is just artistic license where one of the um, the British infantrymen stumbles forwards and screams, why are we fighting? Why are we fighting? Mm-hmm. Um, which is, again, I, I, I have a very... I don't like modern writing and how it's very like, yeah, here's my message. Here's, enjoy. Uh, and then they forget the story. Whereas that, so far the entire thing has been about the, the the mindset. Like It does this really cool thing where both Wellington and Napoleon, you hear their thoughts, you listen to what they're saying um, inside their head, and their mutual respect and disdain as they're outmanoeuvring each other as, like, Napoleon sends people forward to capture this particular farmhouse, and he doesn't, and he expects reinfo- uh, Wellington to reinforce it, and he doesn't do it, and so Napoleon has to reconfigure what he's doing, and it's like you're listening to the mind games, but also it's telling you just little enough that you don't know what their next move is if, if you don't know what what's ba- already coming in the battle. Even if you do know what's coming in the battle, it keeps it unique enough that you're unsure of it. Um, and then you have the final cavalry charge. Now, this is amazing, because at this point in the movie, you have to remember, like Wellington has pulled back his forces because they can see the Prussians on the hill. Because um, one of the other French generals, French, um, goo, goo, I'm scared. I'm gonna like Miss It's gonna be a swear. Have easier name. No, I can't say that. That's that. That's a bit. That's a bit francophobic. If I say that, can't say that. But I retract that statement before I get cancelled. It's fine. Um, I get. It's fine. It's only the French. Uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah. No. So this particular French. Uh, it's not a general. He might be actually higher ranked than that. Um, he's been tasked to capture the Russians. The, 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 Russia, the Prussians have sent their um, rear force to slow them down. So they believe they're still following the Prussians. The main bulk of the Prussian army slid back behind him is now coming towards Napoleon. Um, Napoleon tells his men to like, no, we ignore that. Just go for Wellington. If we can get Wellington, if we can get this hill before these Prussians come in, uh, We've won, and then he's screaming for his other French commanders. He's going, "Why have they not turned round? How is he not clocked? That the entire Prussian army has done a 360." Um, which, to be fair, that manoeuvre must have been hard to pull off, like convincing the person that's chasing you that that tiny little bit of army left is all your army is. I don't know how he pulled it off. There must have been a decent number of distance, but then he had to sneak his entire army, um, Bruger. Uh, I believe it's Field Phil Marshall Brugger I might have got his rank wrong um, uh, this, is, this is why I have a severe number of notes In my videos and I'm always saying the name Seven times, if you ever watch my videos I'm saying the name seven times It's not because I'm trying to reinforce to you who it is It's because I'm trying to make sure I've remembered to say it All good, <laughs> All good. So uh, Brugger comes around um, And at this point Napoleon's desperate and this is the most exquisite. I know I said I was mainly about the cavalry charge for this, but now I've rewatched the movie. My this bit where Napoleon looks forward and he goes Wellington's done. Like this is in his head. Wellington's done. Wellington's on a run. Like because the reason they did that third cavalry charge is they thought Wellington was in full retreat, and obviously they get caught in the square, and the square is like impenetrable a cavalry unless you're like a a winged czar. And yes, I'm going to bring up the winged czars. They're my favourite cavalry unit. Unit, and I. Will take any chance I can to talk about them. Don't blame me. Um, they are they are amazing. Um, I need to actually. There is actually a, a, a film about the Siege of Vienna. Um, oh, it's really? Just not, it's not. Yeah, it's just not quite got the numbers to carry off. Like, bear in mind that's the largest cavalry charge in history. Like twenty thousand horsemen led specifically by three thousand winged Czars. Um, so that's like for the number of people there. It's very well shot, and it, um, I believe it was actually. a polish made film i could be wrong on that again um but yeah there's just there's not enough horses um it's one of those cases where i would have said yeah maybe a little bit of CGI would help that film but um going back to Waterloo, so yeah so that obviously the the wellington had successfully lured them into that charge so napoleon's like okay this is it if i bring in the old god which he doesn't like to do because the old god's meant to be it's like the persian immortals yeah. Um, so he brings towards Napoleon's on guard and in this desperate charge, because it's at this point, the battle is on a teetering edge. Napoleon knows if he can get Wellington, he's won the battle because the the Prussians just simply do not have the numbers. Um, but the, the French have also been absolutely obliterated. Again, this is shown and the reason I'm going more about the history and less about the film is this is all people, every single dot. If you, and the film is free on YouTube now. If you Google Waterloo full film, you can find it. Someone uploaded it. It hasn't been taken down in two years. It was uploaded in 2020. Um, every rifle glint, which is something that CGI animators don't think about. It's the rifle glint. As people are standing there, and you can see it as it pans across the field, These the glints of the rifles they're using. Um, every one you see on screen is real. Um, if you're an animal lover, I wouldn't recommend it as much, because when those horses go down... Um, yeah, I don't know if you've ever watched all the westerns, um, but, yeah, when horses go down in old western movies, they, yeah, that that that's real. Um, obviously, some of them, you can see when I do to certain manoeuvre and the horse goes down because they're stunt horses. But yeah, for an animal lover, I don't recommend it too much unless you can, like, maybe just zone out for the cavalry charges and everything else will be fine. Um, but, yeah, so, obviously, this final point that I've tangented off of, like, seven times is Napoleon, who's gravely ill at this point um, he's already had one of his like commanders make the fatal error of dropping a cavalry charge onto a wellington that was fully waiting for it so he brings forward the old guard and hiding amongst the thick grass is an ambush and as the old guard advances the British lines come up re- rank one fires drops the second rank fires drops and so on and so forth and the old guard is decimated right and mm-hmm. at this point Napoleon is completely caught with his pants down, right? He, he's he's There is no way out of it now. He is, he is for lack of a better term, screwed. Um, the Prussians come in with the fourth and final cavalry charge in the movie, which is, I would say, almost certainly the inspiration for the cavalry charge of the Knights of the Vale. If you watch that scene of the Prussians and their cavalry charge, it is almost the movements are almost identical to how it's shot and lined up when the Knights of the Veil vale charge, um, except the cavalry charge, um, it, it, that kept the Knights of the Vale cavalry charges a lot weaker than any of the cavalry charges here. A lot, the cavalry charges here are shorter, but it works because it shows cavalry charges as how Cavalry charges work. <clears throat> Most people see a film and it's like the cavalry charges into the army and then splat. That's it. The, um, like, the cavalry charge is done. Well, cavalry charge is accurately designed, like, depending on what nation you used, and obviously the Romans sort of, like, perfected this, was, like, the cavalry charges in, bam, round again, charges again, bam, round, like, unless it's actively engaged by other cavalry or locked in by infantry, like, you want to keep your cavalry moving. It's a moving force, Hmm. you know. Um, And that is one of the best things that this film... Bring in mind, there's a load of aerial shots flying above... Ukraine, showing you these cavalry charges. And so when you see that cavalry charge pour through um, just over the ditch, because the British, when the, the third cavalry charge comes in, the second French cavalry charge, um, there's a massive ditch, which again, yes, the horses falling into that ditch are actually falling into that ditch, because in real life, that was what they did. They lured, Wellington lured the cavalry back. Um, and if Napoleon hadn't been ill at the time and was still on the field to command, he probably would have seen that for what it was, and he wouldn't have sent his men forward. Um, but they fell into trap and obviously a lot of them fell into the ditch and the rest of them were taken out by infantry squares. Um, so as you can tell, this isn't my like ideal period of history. Obviously, I don't know the best internet spell, and I had to like double check to make sure what I was talking about wasn't complete gobbledygook. But uh, yeah, that's why I actually managed to get through that in less time than I did the haze code. I'm impressed <laughs> myself. I don't know how. I thought it was going to be the other way around. But uh, yeah, I have just compressed like an hour's worth of battle, and I seriously suggest watching. If you're not going to watch the movie, um, guys, just watch that battle scene because it is there. There, and I when I say this, there is no other film in history, and I can back this up because I checked. um, There is no other film in history that have had that many extras. Um, not even Lord of the Rings come close and Lord of the Rings, or a lot, again, that horse charge is a lot of extra, obviously they're duplicated but a lot of the people you see are real, when I everyone on screen from infantrymen uh, to cavalry is there and is filming and is taking part in this recreational battle uh, when you see a cannonball go off next to someone, they were told, I mean a lot of the times obviously there was a lot of people injured as you can tell because like the explosives were going off, so it was, like, marked on the ground so you would be, like, walking along be like, oh, yeah, a cannonball's going to go off there, and I've got a... Yeah, no, I'm exploded now. Like, so it's an incredibly well-shot film. Uh, but, yes. Yeah, any... Yeah, should we do a bit of questions on that before we move on to Master and Commander, or...? Oh, no, I spoiled! <laughs>
0: it's not Just a spoil. It's not a spoil, you're fine.
1: I was trying to keep it, like, safe until the end. I think
0: considering it. the, the, <clears throat> the breadth of the the scope of Waterloo if we just want to continue to kind of focus on that up until yeah. and, and or if you just want to like kind of do questions on that and then you know slide into questions generally and then I, I guess we can keep it just considering it's only the two of us we can keep it a little shorter if
1: we yeah. want um, I mean I've, I've, I'm going I've watched the Master and Commander scene I'm going to talk about it now. No, it's,
0: it's all good yeah I, I think uh, you know just based the uh, uh, based off of the time and such like that uh, you know it makes sense
1: so yeah, fair play. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no. Um, I'm obviously I can keep going. But yeah, if anyone in the chat has any questions on, uh, the, um... the
0: only history chat, or sorry, the only uh, super chat so far was from Gavin Swanson for 4.99 saying history daddy and Mattis supremacy, which fair enough. Um, <laughs> but yeah, uh, is there is there anything else in terms of you know now that you kind of have free reign
1: that you want to talk about with Waterloo in particular? Um. I mean, the, the films the whole the 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 main uh, historical inconsistencies. The ball at the beginning of the film it wasn't actually in a ballroom; it was in a barn, more or less. Um, the uh, there are a few things I didn't like. Um, I I I felt that um, Wellington was portrayed perhaps a little too confident and snide, and a little too action like like a little too um, apologies for. The entire country i'm about to insult a little too american action hero uh, <laughs> like like you know like I, I, he was just short of the leather jacket and he would have been like the cocky 1960s 1950s like shades american um mm. fighter pilot um so that in places, I can understand why he was portrayed as such um, because he was incredibly confident in himself. Obviously, when you look into history, like any general, he had his doubts, and that is where I will turn and say that that was where it was portrayed well. Because when you get into Wellington's faults, you hear the insecurities and it balances out against this ultra confidence. But I don't, there's a particular um, scene where he's like underneath a newspaper and he's like, uh, his second in command's going, If you should fall, um. What is your plan? Um, so you know, and then Wellington just lifts up and he goes, My plan is to defeat the French, which <laughs> is a line I both loved and hate, because again it's so overly confident. And I was like, I don't know where I physically under know where I stand because I like I liked it and I liked the confidence, but also it didn't the film a lot of films about Napoleon try to portray him with a very human element. Um which is something you don't see often when you see a documentary or a film about Alexander. Alexander is portrayed like I I love Alexander to bits, but like to, to go out and like openly try and conquer the entire recommended empire and then push further and then throw a strop when your men like revolt against you. Um like you have to have a specific mindset. Which was what Napoleon had. There was plenty of times Napoleon could have stopped and would have, like, he would have led a like Napoleonic Europe. Like, history would be an entire like would be French. Uh, Most of Europe would be like the default language would be French, Um, and you would probably see an alternate history where the British Empire just never was able to, would rise to power, but it'd be far more navally based. It would never challenge anyone um, militarily on land, Um, defeating Napoleon. Really was the game changer, and like it settled who was going to be the great because for most of like later history going into the colonial stage, who was going to be the dominant power? Much like you had in the west, it was Rome and Persia or Roman Parthia. Um, like the east was pretty much dominated by I believe it was Qin China, um, the Qin dynasty. I know you had Qing was the last one, and then chin was the first one. I don't know if. Yeah, no, they were around the time of Rome. It's fr- Chinese history I'm very vague on, so I apologise if I've got that wrong, and if anyone wants to correct me, plop it in the chat. Um, but yeah, so, like, that that moment really did settle out of France. Obviously, it set the stage for Prussia to really go, yeah, okay, here we come. Um, yep. Which is why I always, like, history is a never-ending battle of who's going to be on top. Like, the Etruscans had power over Rome at one point. Um so that's interesting to me is like Waterloo was really the stage. What I do like about the film is the line is the line of dialogue where they're talking to Wellington. Wellington's talking about how he had um the the Waterloo in his back in his back pocket. He says I spotted this I spotted this ground a year ago and I've had it in my back pocket ever since. It like is like which had like it like an underlying tone of like he suspected uh, Napoleon would return, which I suppose is a safe bet because the current French king at the time, or the then Fre- no, I was the French king, um, was like kept, like reversing a lot of Napoleon's reforms and then began reversing a lot of revolutionary French reforms. Um, as someone who's just for definitely not for a video, that I'm trying not to spoil. Hasn't just looked into even more of the French revolutions because France may or may not have invaded a country I'm talking about history of. Hmm. Um, I, I'm so bad at not spoiling stuff. It's is <laughs> awful. Um, That's okay. So yeah, uh, yeah. But um, France did like its revolutions. So to be clear, I'm talking about the first big one that allowed Napoleon. Well, no, there was a big one, and there was another. There was a little one, a big one, and another one, and then like, Napoleon comes in. Um, yeah, French, French. That, that like the French would just name the country to the revolution at the moment. Like <laughs> that, that would make. Uh, I mean, I believe it's the, the Fourth Republic now, Fourth or Fifth Republic. Um, yeah, it's amazing French how many history, revolutions I've, they've had. Yeah, I mean, some of those republics only came in um, due to certain events outside of their control. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like the it was a safe bet that Napoleon would be able if he escaped from Elba, he would be able to um took the different in fact that is encapsulated not just by the people but when uh it's not it's, it's encapsulated not just by the civilian population rather but by the army um you i've lost my train of thought again was it um but by the army is when he brings up his thousand hand picked guards from elba and he brings it up the road now, that opening scene, I watched that and I remember when I saw it the first time, I was like, that didn't happen. It wasn't that easy. He didn't just get the army to um, to, to flick sides, but they did. He went up and he was like, I'm Napoleon, I'm back, guys. And the army, the French army were like, oh, hey, it's Napoleon. Oh, I like you. And so as they went on, all of these armies that were sent by the French king just deflit, uh, defected immediately. Um, and it is also true, as the film portrays, yes, the Allied Powers did declare war on Napoleon, uh, not France. That's a hundred percent true. I remember watching uh, which... that. Yeah,
0: as as the part of the clip that you mentioned. Yeah, that's that's honestly wild. Yeah. Uh, I
1: as much as I did. like napoleon and obviously alexander over napoleon um that 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 is pretty badass i will admit that is that is pretty cool oh yeah to like have an entire allied force ally um over you
0: yeah it's honestly insane
1: can you i, know, uh, I did uh went, um can you still hear me hello hi what's that? I, f- I think there's a little bit of a delay come through
0: oh is it is it better now yeah. okay yeah, yeah. No. you were yeah. you were breaking up a bit so i was trying to fix it over here yeah. a little bit i
1: think we're alright i think it's my dodgy british internet <laughs> i think that's what it is um yeah no that's pretty much all I can think of. I mean, to be fair, we've hit um, pretty much hit the hour mark. But um, all yeah, good. it's a great film, two and a half hours. Um, I can see one question: uh, What is the best portrayal of a historical figure I've seen in film? Um, there's not a lot of good ones, in all honesty. There's a lot of good portrayals um, and visualisations, um, but in in all honesty, like. And in terms of accuracy i wouldn't say there's many um do you know what uh i'm gonna say napoleon because i feel i i feel like and what what, what was the actor's name um rod rod steiger who played napoleon um that is the best portrayal of napoleon because it it, it showcased his arrogance and his narcissistic love um for france because a lot like it's portrayed so well like there is there is like he clearly loves the, his men but it's so clear it's done as it, it shows his narcissism
0: mm-hmm.
1: um and his like because he in his head he truly is is doing the best for france but if he was doing the best for france he wouldn't have invaded russia when they started trading with britain again that was that you know he had like france was in a very good very good position. It had all of Europe at its beck and call. Um, so yeah, he like you know he had narcissistic tendencies um, that did come to fruition as as a form of love. But yeah, um, who who would be your favorite historical portrayal? Um, that's a good question.
0: I mean. This is, this is, uh, it's technically historical, but it's kind of like off the beaten path to some extent. And, you know, there's some liberties taken with it. But I just really love Val Kilmer as Doc Holliday in Tombstone. It's, you know, it's, it, it's just such a good performance. And, you know, the, relatively historically accurate, just as the film is. I mean, there are some bits where they have liberties, but it's surprisingly accurate based off of at least everything that I've seen. Uh, but, yeah, I think just in terms of a good performance, it's really really solid
1: yeah I mean you're never going to get um, 100% historically accurate on um, anything yeah. I think that's nigh on impossible purely because like although I would love to do a film that's not historically accurate but 100% accurate to the works of Herodotus um, hmm. all of the stuff obviously we know some stuff he said wasn't as spot on Um I, I'm a big fan of Herodotus, so I find it hard to say that. Um, mm. Obviously, again, I ain't ancient Greek fanboy. Of course, I'm going to be a big fanboy. In fact, um, for a brief period of time, my name... like, Because obviously History Daddy the father of history, so mm. uh, there's there's been a link between us. But um, I would love to do like a, a, a TV show where it was just the history that he wrote exactly as he wrote it, um, not with any of the modern changes we have from modern historians. Because I think that would be a really interesting... Way because again, it would be hi- hi- accurate to a version of history, hmm. pardon me. Um, but it's also looking at, um, like the Greek storytelling because the ancient hmm. Greeks loved a good story, yeah. Um, uh, you know, they, inv- they invented plays, uh, so yeah, I, I reckon that'd be an interesting film project. It'd be very expensive because Herodotus did have some expensive ideas, um. Although again I I believe he is still actually our main source for the battle between Cyrus the Great and Tommy Riss. Hmm. Um which is perhaps my favourite battle in history other than the Siege of Vienna, um, where the Ottomans got pushed back. Um yeah. Obviously I I'd say like my favourite battles are like um the Siege of Vienna, Waterloo, um Tommy Riss versus Cyrus, um obviously the hot gates, um, hmm. you know, ancient Greece. Um alexander's defeat of darius uh, actually no the battle i can't remember its name the battle he did just before he defeated darius where darius got well, actually no darius got away like twice um i believe it was like his first initial battle um because i love the fact that they went they were going along it was always going to come back to alexander of course mm-hmm. it was. um i love the fact that the the actual greek advisor at the time was like we need a scorched earth, ta- earth tactic we need to like find a way to Challenge Alexander like on our terms, and we need to starve him out. And all, the, and all the Persians were like, No, 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 we can feast. It's a silly, it's a silly Hellenic king. We're gonna like, we're gonna get rid of him almost immediately. And, um, that overconfidence obviously was their downfall. Mm. Um, but yeah, um, nice.
0: Well, uh, just on my end, I think that's probably a good place to end it for me because I know I got to get a bunch of stuff, uh, in order for tomorrow. I leave yeah. pretty early for work, but, uh, yeah, I just want to say thank you so much, History Daddy, for coming on here. I mean, it, cool. it, it was pretty much uh, a, a you podcast, and I think that's what people wanted. So thank you for doing that.
1: That's cool. Thank you for having me on. And like I say, any, anytime you need me on, um, yeah, I'd be happy to do that.
0: Absolutely. Awesome. Absolutely. Thank you so much. And uh, for everybody who's uh, watching uh, normal programming, we'll be back next week. Mattis will be back. Uh, he was away. But uh, yeah, thank everybody for stopping by, and we'll see you again soon.